0: welcome to the milk bar welcome
1: along to episode 663 of the milk bar jason forrest here with you as ever and coming up on the show this week made in chelsea's jamie lang will be along to talk about some of the great british exports we have out there and of course candy kittens his brand as well we'll be having some brilliant music from rob lane he's got his brand new single we'll be sharing with you and don't just let lets us know about his gig coming up on the 18th of june at the pavilion that's on the stafford road in wolverhampton and well worth getting yourself along. To. Zoe Turner will be up with some news on how we can look after the feathered friends we have in our gardens as she talks about a special event making fat balls for the birds and we are talking about the political film Red to Blue with director Jay Martin. That's all on the way on the show this week. Now when it comes to Britain we are known for exporting some amazing things around the world. Of the top 50, I think a load of them are edible. Uh, this this is amazing in itself. To tell us more what I'm doing now by the one and only Jamie Lang. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. Now, I, I, I trust we find you and your world well, and it's intriguing how uh, so many of the things that Britain is known for exporting are food, in, including one of your own brands as well. Oh, listen, so much of it is food, which is really
2: exciting. You know, in the top 50, what do you think? You probably got the list there in front of you. But for everyone who's listening
1: probably to know, Fish and Chips is the top one, and the bottom one is Spice Girls. Well, this is it I mean, they're, they're an intriguing uh, way through that list in the top 50. I mean, the, the Beatles feature in there as well. The Spice Girls are, are, are yeah, one, of, one of the popular bands. One Direction coming at about 67 in the top 100, so just outside. But when it comes to it, I mean, so David Attenborough is classed as an export too. And I mean, his natural history stuff has been shown all around the world as he's visited the whole world.
2: Yeah, exactly that. But that's what's so great about it. It doesn't just have to be, you know, brands and things like that. David Attenborough himself is almost a product. So for him to be going international and going around the world isn't I mean, he he probably is, I mean, I would suspect he's gone to over a hundred different countries. Everyone's seen David Attenborough.
1: Yeah, so this fella turns up, you know, blue shirt, talking about the local uh, fauna and, and flora. And uh, uh, before you know it, uh, he's probably got a boat named after him. But, uh, with, I mean, things like, I mean, Cadbury's chocolate as well, cheddar cheese. These are all things that the UK is known for. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is part of a, a, a big international sort of uh, taking over, as it were. Yeah. I mean, we've influenced culture all
2: around the world. Yeah, well, it's amazing. So... Um... It's great, there's some research which has been done by Santander UK and it shows, check this out, 82% of Brits think some of the best things in the world have come out of the UK. That's 82%. 79% of Brits would like to see more British companies being be, becoming successful overseas. And so I think it's, you know, I have my business, Candy Kiddens, and for me, I realise the kind of um, difficulty when you are working with international trade. So how do you do it? You know, lots of, you need to almost... What's great is that there are these helping hands that can help you through these different things, helping you with the different cultures, different languages, uh, teaching you how people shop differently and spend differently. You know, that is the great thing about these companies or, you know, the government websites, all companies like Santander, they sort of help you through these places. And that means we can make the 79% of Brits who would like to see more British companies training internationally, we can make them all happy. So that we can make 79% of the country
1: happy. That'd be great. We all want to be happy in this life, don't we? And, uh, as, I mean, you, you talked about about your Candy Kittens I mean, as, as a brand. Uh, I think it starts off with airports very often, doesn't it? You get some of the premium British brands. I mean, you are gourmet candy, aren't you? This is the <laughs> yeah. uh, the thing. And uh, a, a brand that I enjoy, and I didn't know until this morning that it was actually yours. So, I mean... Uh, Did you not? I didn't know. Where didn't, have
2: you been you living? I, 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 is I, that?
1: I know you. I know the brand. <laughs> I hadn't got the link between the two. But, I mean, when it comes down to having an idea that uh, that, though, and having something which can spread across the world. How do you you start that? Because I know food manufacturers in your family, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, but there's a sort of misconception there. So when I was a kid, this is a true story, I was scared of the dark. My brother used to tell me stories of Jamie and Sweet World to help me fall asleep. So I had this whole fascination of a world made of sweets. Um, Then that developed into, right, I want to make a sweet company as I got older. So I had this idea for candy kittens. My parents typically thought it was the worst idea in the world. Everyone else (laughs) thought it was the worst idea in the world. So my business partner and I, 10 years ago, decided to make a vegan sweet company because we thought it would be fun. Um, Oh boy, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And to anyone who is setting up a business, who has set up a business, who is running a business, I admire you massively. It's incredibly hard. But on the plus side, it's incredibly fulfilling. It fills you with so much purpose. And the best thing in the world is when you do walk into these... um, supermarkets or retailers or even go abroad like to america and we're now in america in walmart you see your product there there's nothing quite like it it's it's almost as good as dancing the cha-cha on strictly maybe (laughs) not quite
1: as good but but (laughs) one consumes the calories the other one uses the calories i think (laughs) they they run hand in hand really don't they
2: (laughs) that is exactly it but it's amazing you know you know, th- there's also the thing which we realized um, about sort of international trade, which was so amazing, is that, you know, uh, different products work in different areas. And I was thinking about this today when I was sort of thinking about our interview together. You know, if you're a company within the UK that sells sun cream, let's say, of course, you want to try and go abroad. So how then do you go abroad? Because there's more sunshine abroad. So I think a lot of people just focus on the UK as selling their product within UK. But if you go abroad and start doing that, then the scale becomes so much bigger and so much more exciting.
1: And, and you've got not only your, your own customers who will travel, and uh, yes. you, you, you'll see that. Walmart is one of my favourite places to shop for sweets. It's absolutely amazing. So It's amazing, that, isn't it? The fact if I'm next in the US, I can go and get some candy kittens whilst I'm out there, even better. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's also having that sort of you know, the British nature to it. There are British shops all over the world, the same way as we see American sweet shops on the high street sometimes. And uh, it, it's, it's about getting there and about the brand loyalty when someone does travel. And again, putting that union jack on things can and really sell uh, a product
2: it's so true I remember um when I went to New York for the first time many years ago and their prep a had just um stuff there was a queue outside because uh, the title on it was the best thing since the Beatles and that was such a good little mark for it it was amazing so um yeah when you see British companies abroad there's nothing quite like it
1: so uh, a chance, if you're a company, to, to get yourself known internationally is absolutely huge. And uh, whether you're exporting or manufacturing in the country that you then go to, uh, it, it is all about having that British brand. And, and when we look at the brands, I mean, the, 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 we talk about like the Stephen Hawking is a, is a big name still, sadly passed. But now still a big name on you know, the, something from Britain and someone from Britain who's made a huge difference, the royal family, you know, even yes. with with their troubles uh, of late. The
2: Queen is number 10 on the list. hmm which and is
1: which is incredible it's just so recognizable all around the world uh but uh, you say william shakespeare up there too and i was in stratford the weekend just gone and that was uh, uh, you you see so many international tourists there and uh, it is all about people knowing his work and uh, it, being part of it this huge global britishization as if, if if there is such a thing
2: yeah yeah but but exactly that but you know there are there are difficulties that come with it and that's you We you know we've got to sort of understand that but um you know as i said before there are places that you can go to that, that um, you know, companies or establishments can sort of hold your hand when you're walking through this. So I think the greatest thing to do is use that as an advantage, whether, like I said before, it is government websites, whether it is Santander UK, whatever it is, go and use these kind of places because they really can help.
1: Yeah, and whether you're sending Tetley tea halfway around the world or whether you're enjoying a candy (laughs) kitten in uh, in Miami, you know, all of that is uh, is part of it. And uh, when it comes down to what you're doing, I mean, do you tune flavours for your international market as well? Are there certain things that sell brilliantly in Britain, but a different flavour, which is huge in the US? Yeah, well, interesting enough for us, um,
2: the best-selling sweet flavour worldwide and the best-selling sweet in America by a, a, a huge margin is watermelon. I was, so was gonna say using water, because water watermelon is my favourite. Yeah, so when we started Candy Kinnens, we um, said, right, well, we want to do watermelon because at the very beginning, we said, well, at some point, we want to go international. So let's get a standalone flavor that is going to make sure that we can go international. So we started with watermelon and still to this day, that and Eat and Mess are our best flavors.
1: There's a a pack of sour watermelon on my desk, which have my name (laughs) on them, and I will be going to enjoy those in a short while's time.
2: Oh, thank you. But also, I think that's the important thing that at the very beginning of starting a business, don't think small, think big. And that's quite scary for a lot of individuals, but really do think big. And I think a lot of time we laser focus ourselves to a UK market, but actually there's a whole world out there, which is really exciting.
1: Well, we want to see candy kittens in the top 10 of British uh, oh. exports before you know it. Uh, meanwhile, though, where can we go for more information about this work that's been done by Santander?
2: Oh, so we can go to lots of different places. Um, We've gone to their website, which would be great. You can go onto the website, which would be perfect. Um, and um, yeah, online, just go and check out online, uh, their Instagram, social media handles. Um, and it's just got really great advice for anyone who is thinking about international trade. Go and check
1: them out. So see what Santa Ana can do to help you. It can even nip into a branch. If you're banking with them, they will be more than welcome uh, to have you along. If you, you're not yet, find out more, as Jamie says, online and see how they can help you hit the international market, just like candy kittens are doing, even as we speak. Jamie Lang, star of uh, TV and uh, everything else and uh, food and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and a massive export from the UK. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Rob Lane has some brand new music out there. I should call him Robert on the music front, actually. It's say Rob when we're chatting. He joins me now to let me know about the song past the day. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. Nice to see
3: you. How are you? Well,
1: good to talk to you. I'm fine. I trust the world is treating you relatively well.
3: Yeah, pretty good, I think. All right, not bad.
1: That's the way we like it. So what's going on then? What's this what's this music thing that you're doing?
3: Well, yeah, in a sort of fit of um, of impassioned doing stuff over the past few weeks, I've just written and recorded this tune at home, done a little taste of video with some clips of me putting all the different layers of it together and then decided to put it out. Basically, it's on my website now. It will be on all the other streaming sites at the end of the month because, you know, you can do that, can't you? you can, as you do, you can just make stuff and then put it out pretty quickly, really, which is either really exciting or, or a bit silly because you don't wait to see what everybody thinks of it first. You just do it, just go for it.
1: No, no, no pre-marketing these days. It is straight out there into the wild. But I mean, there a number of things that you've done that might have been improvised or made up on the spot in some other way or form rather than improvised with the setting to it. You're used to getting an immediate audience reaction and it's pretty much 99.9%
3: a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah hopefully most i mean what, what you learn the more that you do stuff is that there's going to be people who like some everything everything you do there's going to be people who really like and people who don't like it and that's cool you know when you start out it's probably similar when you you're doing your podcast and stuff that you, you're terribly hurt if someone expresses the opinion they don't like it that much but pretty soon i, you I just blame like on the guest it's fine it's not me <laughs> that's good you can blame other people but it's pretty much that thing of you want the reaction, really. You want people to either really like it or really not like it. It's when people are just, meh, that you sort of feel like you haven't done something interesting enough either we way. We don't
1: want ambivalence, that's the thing.
3: No, not really.
1: <laughs> so so what is the theme to what you've done this
3: time? Well, this song, it's, it's, it's a sort of story song in a way, really. I, I, I t- sort of think of it in two terms of, of the way that I write stuff. I either write stuff very much from personal experience, and there's a few of those songs I feel a certain way I write about it. And then there's others like this one, which is just like, well, there's a little story in my head that I'm making up. I'd like to kind of report on it or tell the story. So it's not my story so much, this one. It's, it's, um, it's, it's an idea about just letting things happen to you sometimes and kind of if you don't force things, things may go the way that you want them to go, which is something I struggle with. Because Because being like an independent musician and actor and stuff, you feel like you've got to be forcing stuff all the time. And like, if you don't push things, things don't happen, which is true. But then it is good sometimes to sort of sit back and just see what the what the world does for you, really
1: well there are areas in your life where you can be a bit more chill there when there is something you want or something you know you need to share then that's when you can push it and when you I mean, the number of theater pieces i've seen you in and uh, it's just like you wouldn't necessarily have thought to have gone unless we'd have had the conversation because he's knowing about something and it's putting yourself outside that comfort zone of traveling to birmingham to but go yeah. and see something or whatever and
3: it can be so worthwhile actually doing it that's right and i feel like we're all up for that at the moment aren't we because we've obviously had an enforced period of of letting the world happen to us a bit <laughs> it was totally we... the world happening to us by staying away from it exactly that's it and you know definitely i'm kind of aware of that recently that and with the current situation that's going on in the world as well it's like our lives have been so interrupted by things we have no control of mm-hmm. and it's good to ex- kind of accept that sometimes i think and worry about the things that you can control but then on the other hand i don't know if everyone else is feeling this i've certainly got a feeling of oh let's just go for it let's just do what we want to do while we can this year then so and- if we've written a song let's put it out why not let's do it yeah i think i think we have
1: to because sometimes you have to worry about whether the world's going to be there at the end of the month that's
3: it so just go for what you go for at the moment i suppose
1: yeah well i mean your music is always very pleasant in my ears it is actually yeah, music and well worth listening to and uh so i i do appreciate your work in fact uh, i was uh, i think it was, it's, it's some time ago I was I was stood in uh, the the foyer here at the Arena Theatre and uh, uh, your music was coming through the speakers and I'd obviously you play down there as well and I, I, I said, someone else said to me oh I like this oh, and yeah. uh, and I was like ah oh, yeah I know him uh, and, and yeah, it, it's nice when that happens isn't it
3: yeah they've got a lot of taste down there at the Arena Theatre I've always thought. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: we've got the song uh past the day uh in, in, and it's not I wouldn't say it's not the first time you've written something from a different perspective to necessarily your own because I, I know you, you you did a whole album I think pretty much of that at one point with a, with a, a, a show you were part of uh yeah. and uh yeah it's it, the ability to to be able to do that is a, is another good one and I think so you, you do usually say right from personal experience but I think it's, it's it's great to, to hear that sort of flexibility within uh, someone's repertoire, particularly because it then means you know, film soundtracks could be your next thing and, and having to do that from there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I enjoy writing for a brief as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it sort of, you can become a slightly different writer sometimes. And as you actually, in a funny way, as you mentioned with the podcast, if someone doesn't like it, you can blame the guest. Not quite that, but like... I'm writing this. It, it's not my. It's not my thing so much. I'm writing this for this project, so you can have a certain level of, um, not hands off, but be a bit less precious, perhaps. Like you still want it to be good, but it's it, it's a bit like co-writing with someone. I find sometimes if you write songs with somebody else, you kind of are creating this third singer. But it's not you or them; it's this person. You can say, "Well, I wouldn't do that in one of my songs," but it's okay because our imaginary singer would. So we can do those things I wouldn't normally do. It's quite liberating at times.
1: And I do blame myself if I ask the wrong questions of a guest, so uh, that I, I, I've got that internal guilt anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be great. So we're going to take a listen to the track
3: now. What do we need to know heading into it? Um, well, you can get it. You can hear the song now on my website, which is robertlaymusic.co.uk, and there's actually it's got its own page. It's roberlaymusic.co.uk forward slash past the day all of like one word and there you can listen to the song you can watch the little video of me working on it and there's like some other bits of info about it and then it will be on all the other streaming sites and stuff on the 31st of march
1: okay that's something to look forward to meanwhile what else can we find on your website particularly with all of your other work as
3: well oh there's a there's a whole treasure trove of all the projects <laughs> i'm working on um as you all know because we've been talking about it for about Thirty years now. There's the <laughs> film Sam and, Sam and Dan Get Lost, which was a film I was acting in and doing the music for. It's a partly improvised comedy drama. Um, we started in 2019, and then there was a pandemic, but it's finally, I think, finished. Um, so hopefully, that's coming in, in this in spring of this year. Well, there's we'll talk pre- about that then. Looking forward to that. We need yeah. to cast on a call. Yeah, that's it. There's a there's a trailer for that on there, and then the podcast that I make as well, which is about creativity. And I speak to writers and musicians and uh, like directors and uh, record producers and stuff as well just about how they make their work and how they make a living which normally makes them laugh when I ask that but that people might find that interesting as well
1: it's not as to keep you in hoodies is it really to be fair mate <laughs> uh,
3: Rob always good to speak to you search for Robert Lane uh
1: Robert Lane Music all of that those good things get him on Spotify and beyond and uh, enjoy the work of this man really nice fella as well he's really annoying Rob thanks for talking to me to
3: speak to you soon Cheers Jason, thank you very much.
1: Content with running the occasional marathon, getting involved in hedgerows, and whatever else she's been up to of late, Zoe Turner is now looking after Garden Birds too, and is here to tell me about an event which is free to enter. Hello.
4: Yeah. Hello. I've got lots going on.
1: Well, you're always very busy. So what, what is happening here? What is this one?
4: Well, I don't know if, if you know, but I'm um, part of Chef um, Council, I wish. Um, no, Shifnal Town Council. Um, and obviously I'm into my... Um, ecology and looking after wildlife and things like that. So it's a combination of the two really. So um, I've arranged a, an event um, that Troxshire Wildlife Trust will be running um, and they have an expert called Dr Kath. Um, she'll be at the uh, council offices um, in Shifnal. Um, talking about everything to do with garden birth that's what it's called mm-hmm. um so you can just turn up it's free to get in um she'll be there between uh 10 and 3 on the 26th of march um and she's going to demonstrate on how to make your own fat ball for the garden and you can make your own fat ball and take it away with you as well um she's got leaflets um how to make Bird houses, there's lots of information that's going to be there, just how to look after our furry friends or feathery friends, even in the garden.
1: Birds (laughs) are not furry, you get a bit confused there. So, uh, feathery friends, yes. Uh, uh, They they do need that bit of extra help as well, particularly because uh, the amount of uh, urban birds, I mean, I know Chiffnall's quite, good. you've got green bits around here mm-hmm. and loads of people yeah. live in Chiffnall that come to Wolverhampton and the like, because it's greener out that way. But, uh, mm-hmm. you you are looking at, uh, always a, a reduced environment, oh, The people use pesticides and things, so the, the usual food mm-hmm. which might be available for the birds isn't there, and particularly during the colder months as well, they've got to, yeah, scratch around a bit more for stuff, so this is a nice yeah. way of looking after them right the way through into the spring. Yeah,
4: so, and, and she's there to answer your questions as well, so, um, um, you know so if, if you've got queries on how to look after a certain um type of bird um she'll be able to answer that um and as i say just general the health of your garden birds because obviously they are very important in looking after your garden and and helping things grow mm-hmm. um looking after all the bugs and things that they might want to eat
1: yeah so they have <laughs> natural pesticide aren't they they will they'll keep things off your dahlias if you give them the yeah.
4: opportunity yeah so um they are very important in um the the wildlife section and as i say and everybody needs to start looking after what's in their own back garden regardless of where you live in the countryside or or in a town um just so we're looking after our earth for future generations. So, although they're only small and you don't see them very often, they are very important.
1: We well, do sometimes <laughs> see a lot less of them, and it's always glorious when you see like a, a huge or uh, array of starlings in the sky, or you know, the occasional yeah. one comes to visit. It, it really does put a smile on your face. Um, yeah. So they, they do need that little bit of extra help, and it's also she, she might be able to help you identify some of the birds in your garden too.
4: She will. So if you've got something that you've took a picture of and you're not quite sure what it is, she'll be able to let you know what it is. Um, and there's also a competition as well um, throughout the day. You enter it on the day and they let you know later like, what you've won. I'm not quite sure what you're going to win. <laughs> might be a fat ball.
1: <laughs> well, you're getting one of those anyway. It could be a, could yeah. be a sack of fat balls. <laughs> but uh, but prize details, by finding on the day, as you say, it's free to come along to as well. So uh...
4: Yeah, there is limited parking um, outside the council offices, but obviously you can get back there by train from Wolverhampton. Um, or, or surrounding areas, and there is a car park in the main town, and it's about a five minute walk away from there. So um, it's chewed away, that's where it is if you want it for your sat nav. Um, and it's the Shifnal Community Hub, that's where it'll be. And I'll be popping in and out as well. You'll
0: be to <laughs> the
1: celebrity that is Zoe Turner down there. <laughs>
4: yeah. If you want to come and see me, then pop along, and you can make a fat ball at the same time.
1: <laughs> it's quite quite exciting, isn't it? So, yeah. uh, uh, when, when you come to it what have you seen in your garden that sparked your interest in all of this?
4: We well, you don't really we don't see much in ours, to be fair. But there is. Um, you there need a fat
1: food. balls. That's what it is, isn't it?
4: Well, I have tried putting stuff out, but they don't seem to come. But um, yeah, I mean, we have got a hawk that flies round, but not. That could well be not putting off a little
1: bit. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. Yeah. Cool. Having yeah. had, having had, uh, a, 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 I think a peregrine falcon uh, try and take out a pigeon and land on my lawn, uh, literally just oh, over gosh. there. Um, <laughs> that that was uh, quite uh, quite amazing to see. But it's part it's yeah. of the, 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 yeah, the whole circle of life thing, isn't it? But, yeah. Uh, well, the, we do the, get, the pigeon um, did get away. The pigeon got away.
4: Oh, good. I was going to say now, now that things are obviously there's a lot of building going on, so a lot of there's a lot of green areas that are being built on. You you will find that some of the more Uh, rarer birds that you wouldn't normally see unless you're in the countryside you are starting to spot in urban areas now as well so um giving them a bit of a helping hand as to what they might need to look after them might be a good idea as well
1: Mm. so this is all a bit of an education including for you so you can get the right stuff in your garden so you do actually see something
4: yeah yeah i think it's persistence to be fair because obviously they're just because you put something out for them they're not going to know it's there straight away you need to keep on Putting it out and keep on waiting for them to to realise that it's there. If you see what I
1: mean. Well, what amazes me is they actually find stuff. I and mean, if we if we put a bit of bacon out on the patio, before mm-hmm. you know it, I've got three or four magpies who are coming down to something to eat, and then there's some crows who are trying to stop them and get to it because they don't think they should be eating it. You know, so it, it, it's it's it is amazing. The policy. The yeah, you've got this.
4: one. You've cracked it.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> it, it, it's all good. But so bird tables are the way forward, and it's a great way of you know, getting uh, those kitchen scraps you got to avoid going to waste.
4: Yeah, certainly. So it's um, you know good for the environment all round, really.
1: We like it. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Where can we go to find more details on this? Have you got it all over your Facebook page?
4: Um, yeah, it's on my Facebook page and my Twitter, Zoe Turner Warren, and also it be on the Shifnal Town Council website as well and their socials.
1: So check all of those out.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, meanwhile, uh, we are due to be talking to one of your heroes in a few weeks. Fingers crossed, aren't we? Oh gosh, yes.
4: So it's on my bucket list. That is, so it'll be somebody to tick off my bucket list.
1: See now, uh, <laughs> for anybody who, who doesn't remember Zoe's obsessions, uh, Matt Goss <laughs> is the gentleman we're talking about. Now I, I spoke to him a while ago, and you got very jealous.
4: No, that was Luke. Spoke
1: was it Luke? I've no idea. Was yeah. I was the other one? Right. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it was one of the gospels. So Luke's the one who's doing the acting now. Then
4: that—that's it. Yeah.
1: And that's when you got jealous because you—you're you, not fussy which of them you talk. The, yeah, so
4: he's on my bucket list as well, Jason. You should have known.
1: Yeah. Well, I, unfortunately, I had work to do and didn't have chance to drag <laughs> you into that one. But uh, so so Matt is lined up. So that means I've will completed the set. It's just the other one. who was in the band of Bross who no one can really remember the name of. What was he? Was he? Craig. Right, have you spoken to him? Craig
4: Logan, no. um, I think he's a music um, producer now, so...
1: You've got got a chance to talk to him then?
4: Yeah, maybe. We'll
1: have to see if we can (laughs) get that one. But, say, everything has a plan, fingers crossed, Matt and his brand-new single featuring uh, in uh, a couple of weeks' time.
4: Yeah, I'm excited to hear that. And if you could do your blag in this as well and blag some backstage passes or whatever, that would be good.
1: See, last time I, he's doing the HMV tour basically, and we'll be talking to him about that because yeah. uh, I think he's in uh, he's in Birmingham on is it the twenty eighth of March?
4: Yeah, that is um, album signing on the twenty eighth, but he's actually got a concert on the Saturday, which is the twenty sixth. That's they, in Coventry.
1: But yeah, but yeah, you're a bit busy that day anyway because you're making fat balls.
4: <laughs> no, that's during the daytime. <laughs>
1: Okay, I thought you might be watching the birds in your garden as your fat balls ring all the birds to the yard.
0: But, yeah. uh, I, I,
1: could, I, could, I could have sung that, but I wasn't going to. Uh, so uh, that, that should be rather good. But uh, so, so you're a big fan of, of, of Matt, aren't you? You're of that age.
4: No, no. I like loads of people. I like, you know, I like my live music, Jason.
1: <laughs> yes, <we said> that. <laughs> That's one of your catchphrases. I mispronounced the word clowns. That's one of your other catchphrases, isn't it? But there we go. Say clowns for me.
4: No, no, it was one I used to say funny. Yeah, but, you, <laughs> you,
1: but say clowns. And clowns. Clowns, you normally say, because you've got a proper Midlands accent. Oh,
4: uh-huh. is it, is, have I changed how I say it then?
1: It's because you moved to Chiffrin now, but there we go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, lovely speaking to you as ever. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to us getting together for NASA with one of your heroes in a few weeks' time. Fingers crossed, if all that comes together, PR people allowing, and uh, we should have some fun with that. But for now, so we? Oh, don't embarrass
4: me, Jason. Don't
1: embarrass me. Well, you're slightly more pink than your jumper, but there we go. (laughs) See you soon. See
4: you. Bye.
1: Now, I've seen Don Ches De perform to many thousands of people, and the audiences love him. Millions have seen him on TV. BGT made him a household name, and he joins me now for a bit of an after about his gig coming up at the Pavilion on the 18th of June. Hello, sir. Hello, hello, Jason. How you doing, man? You good? I'm good, and you are apparently full of life as ever, and looking forward to a fantastic gig in your home city. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Yeah, I mean, the audiences are ready for you because they're ready for a bit of wiggle wine to put a smile on the face. But uh, what, what's going on? How did this gig come about?
5: Oh, well, you know, we've been waiting for, um, for, for things to to get back to some kind of normality so we can really do the things that we normally do mm-hmm. or something similar. Yeah. And uh, it looked like this is the time. This is the time. So we uh, set about getting some dates, get some venues. Uh, we start in our hometown as usual, Wolverhampton. Uh, We've got uh, a few more set up, maybe Birmingham, um, and all, all over the country, really, Manchester, we'll be looking at various venues up and down the country. What I'm, I'm about- sure
1: there's going to be a, a tour of some, some you know, theme parks and, uh, and uh, holiday parks as well, because I know that, you know, that is a, a very much a staple uh, for for the fun that you bring to the stage. And I can, I can see there's going to be bookings uh, across the UK. So just one to check your website for, for definite, to see what is going on. But the pavilion, the old Goodyear pavilion, uh, is, a, is a lovely venue. Now, I've been lucky enough to introduce you onto stage at the Grand uh, and uh, in, in West Park, um, yeah. Yeah, all sorts of events like that. And so, literally, seen thousands of people bopping along to your music, and yeah. it's about the joy that you bring, isn't it? That's got to be the reason you do this.
5: I, I, I tell you, um, it took me a t- time. It took me a long time to work out why people react to my my performance uh, and music the way they do, and seeing other artists as well. It's just your feel. It's a feel of what you're doing. If you're feeling it, I guarantee your crowd are feeling it. You know, your audience are feeling it. And it's just vibe, it's just the the, the music, the the vibe that music gives you and make you do. Because I never plan anything. I just go on the stage, get the mic and start singing. And all of a sudden it just swoops you up into a different world. (laughs) And and it's it's unreal because when you come back down from it, you realize that, wow, I've just been on a journey. And it's been like that every time I sing, I go on a lovely journey. And it just makes me want to see more.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, but but you are basically a party package just delivered. If you want to have fun, get Don Jay's at your gig.
5: I'll tell you what, this gig coming up. I've just say to people, you know, to the to audience, get come on, come on down to this Goodyear's pavilion here because it's a nice venue, as you say, and it, the, the atmosphere. The, the the vibe is gonna be electric. I'm gonna be doing a little bit of soul, a little bit of reggae, a little bit of Motown, mixed with a little wiggle wine. It's going to be a wiggle way night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but
1: this is the thing. Your voice suits so many different songs. And uh, so you, you, you're a great performer. I'm just going to hark back to uh, uh, Bonfire Night in West Park, uh, West Park in, the, in the race course last year. And yeah. uh, we had a, a fantastic time. And you, so the audience just were, were, were drawn in. We had you on the big screens around the whole site. And yeah. people were just bopping in the bars as you were uh, doing your thing.
5: That's right. That's right. It was amazing. It was amazing. The 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 audience just came in and, and it, it turned it into a lovely concert and they uh Really loved the music. It was cold as well, but they never seemed to mind. I just... No one cared. They were,
1: they, were, they were with the wine and then everything else and having a, a fab time with it. Now, not Isn't only it? so you, you, you I know you enjoy doing some cover versions uh, during your your sets, but you have got your own music that uh, you you've, you've worked on for a, a good while now. We I we had such right. pleasure talking about the album when that was released. Mm-hmm. It must be about two and a half years ago now. It's got to be, hasn't it?
5: Well, it is because uh, we, we, you know we were locked down for a while, so. Uh, everything kind of stood still. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, the music has always been there and people all over the world so, you know, enjoying it and they, they, they are downloading it. And uh, they're enjoying the whole album. Now, we got two more videos to make. Uh, we can, There are two tracks left on the album that we would not have done those songs justice if we didn't make a video for those. So mm-hmm. we're going to get on to making those videos and um, just bring the live um, think to the audience, you know, I've been, I've been like all the body musicians out there, you know, if, you, if you're if ready for coming, we'll go on because we're going to get the live band together. That's the next big thing.
1: Okay, so this part of it, and this is about a live performance and a lively performance as well. Yes. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I love the fact, I mean, we have, how long have I known you? Is, is it nearly 20 years I've known you now? Is it? It's, it's A long, a long time. time. A long, long time.
5: <laughs> Jason, let's just say, a long time.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. But, I mean, you, you were initially built as the singing AI man.
5: I mean, you did that on telly, didn't you, as well? Which it's is the really, other fun bit. That's right, because... Um, it's always talking how back in the day working for the AA and going out to people are broken down. And because I'm so jolly anyway, I'm going into a sad situation because, you know, you want to get where you want to go. Your car breaks down. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not a happy sight. And then, so I'm fixing the car and I'm homing along. Sometimes I might sing a few lines. <laughs> okay, you got to be very careful with that because people are very upset, but if I can't repair the car and I'm taking them home, it becomes doom because you sit there with them. And the, once I sit down, everything just, the, all the problems, they can't attend the meetings or whatever, and they come really depressed. So I thought, that's my chance. I'm driving along and I'm singing. And you know what? It worked nine times out of 10, they enjoy themselves. And that's how it, I can't shut up just singing all the time and because it makes me feel good in the first place, you see. Mm-hmm. so i live in that i live in that so everywhere i go people now say don't just how you doing give us a song i've got sunshine on a, on a cloudy day i'm singing then i'm singing up you know where switch came around mm-hmm.
0: The
5: word you know when you when i'm singing you know I go switch is when i'm jumping from one genre to the other yeah you know what i mean so you know half a second, you know, I'm I'm singing a little bit of rap reggae, you know, and then I'm singing a little bit of soul, then I'm singing a little bit of Motown. So just to break that little heist and jumps across to the, the, the other section of the music genre, I got switch, And that became something known for me, going switch, you know?
1: Well, I so say, you, you, you can switch it up, you can change direction as the music runs along. You are absolutely a party powerhouse, a wonderful, lovely fella. And you, you really make uh, every event you're at. The 18th of June at the Pavilion, it's at Stafford Road, Wolverhampton. Tickets yep. via Eventbrite Just search for Donchez Daycrest. You can That's also right. find us via on your website. website and socials. Yep.
5: All this stuff, all the information is on the website. Just look on my, my what's, on, what's on page on my website and all the information are there. Okay? So
1: Search for Donchez and you are sorted. Yeah. Basically, it'll it'll change your life. That's the thing. Go out, buy the album, listen to Spotify, download everything you can from this man. And uh, he's a cool cat in the hat and absolutely a star. Duchess, thank you for joining us. Lovely to speak to you as ever. And uh, we couldn't do anything but have a bit of wiggle wine now. So let's, let's enjoy the music. I'll see you
5: soon, sir. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, mate. See you down there. Bye-bye. This is
6: a remix.
5: Come on, everybody.
6: Danches on your kiss again, man. A little remix. You know how we go? Hard sexy ladies, come on! Take it to this sky The music sweet like the food that you eat um. The music's sweet like the food that you eat You look good, feel good, this is get a minor. Show off your body, girl, you know you look fine Sweet, soul music cleansing in your soul Your body is your temple Drop it low on time. Wine up your body, girl. Wine, wine, wine. Wine up your body, girl. Again, again, again. Wine up your body, girl. Wine, wine, wine. Wine up your body. Drop it low on time. Wine up your body, girl. Wine, wine, wine. Come on, sexy ladies. Come on. Why? The music sweet like the food that you eat. Down. The music's sweet like the food that you eat. Down. You look good, feel good, it's a state of oh. Show off your body, girl, you know you look fine. Sweet, so music cleansing in your soul. Your body is your temple.
1: The change in political persuasion of any constituency can always come as a bit of a shock to its residents, particularly as you never know what your neighbours are thinking. However, a massive change happened in Mansfield back in 2017. Jay Martin is the director of a film that looks at this, and I can't do it justice with my West Midlands accents, but with an East Midlands one, it's red to blue. Hello, sir.
7: Hello. Good to talk to you.
1: Good to talk to you too. So uh, give us a, a bit of a background to how this short came about to start off with.
7: Sure, yeah. So... Red to Blue started off with actually the change itself, the political shift that happened in 2017. Um, I was, that was the first election I was old enough to vote in, I think. So here in Mansfield, it came as a huge shock to everyone locally when we voted in a Conservative MP. And I remember quite vividly being sat at the pub a couple of days after the election took place with, with my mates. And we're all sort of chatting, going, how did this happen? You know, and there's some people there that voted for the change, some that didn't. But we're all sort of shocked in equal measure. So... I put the the filmmaker cap on and thought there's got to be a fascinating story buried in here as to how and why this change took place. started to do a bit of research into it and it turns out that there's a really fascinating historical, political and socio-economic story uh, in Red to Blue.
1: Because we're looking at a mining area that really suffered uh, at the hands of the changes that took place in the 80s uh, with the National Union of Mine Workers. Then you end up with the Nottinghamshire Union of Mine Workers, uh, who were very much against what was happening. And in the end, uh, the closure of the pits in the UK was the start of what would have happened anyway from an environmental point of view, even if it hadn't been billed as an economic one by the Tory government back in the day.
7: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have a one of, one of, I suppose you could say the protagonist of our documentary, Mick Newton. He's a lifelong uh, Labour voter and supporter. He was a union man. He actually was associated with the UN back in the day. And he still now works on behalf of miners for the Mine Workers Pension Scheme and trying to secure that money from the government for the, for the former miners. And he talks very openly in the film about this sort of Strange position that we're in in Mansfield, really, because a lot of mine workers in Mansfield actually went to work during the strikes, Mm -hmm. which was odd because here in the Midlands and the North, obviously, a lot of people went on strike. But we didn't um, for whatever reason. You know, I'm not sure exactly why in Mansfield that that sort of there was a bubble there. But Mick talks talks very, very openly in the film about the fact that, you know, I think he calls her in the film, he says even to those that went to work during the strikes, Margaret Thatcher was seen as the devil incarnate, which is quite strong words, but very true. And that that really strong political association between Thatcher and then the mine workers being associated with the Labour Party was extremely strong here in Mansfield, and as you mentioned, Come the pit closures the last pits in mansfield closed in i think 2003 um and the the headstocks that we feature very prominently in the film the clipston colliery headstocks they that was the last the last pit in our area to to sort of shut down and since then that tie really between you know what would be traditionally um a working class mine working community and the labor party started to slowly grow apart um, as the years went by, because that association between, you know, you work down the pits, you work hard, you come up the pit the weekend, you go into town, you go to the pub and you'll vote for the Labour Party. That wasn't that, that strong work tie wasn't there anymore. So that was really one of the one of the big factors. And it's something that we look at in the film, that this historical context of. Why people in Mansfield would always vote for the Labour Party began to degrade as the years went on, um, and then became less and less of a factor. Really, as we got closer and closer towards 2017,
1: and, and, and 2017's election itself uh, was divisive in its own way, but it wasn't quite what to, uh, it was. Was to come later on, even then.
7: Yeah, well, it was. It was. I think quite unexpected really mansfield ended up being one of the first blue bricks in the red wall in in the midlands and it was something that was really unexpected like i say for i think for for people who had voted for the change and for those who didn't i think everyone was a bit shocked in equal measure that actually a conservative could win in mansfield it was a pretty crazy thing really to happen when you think about traditionally when you think about these ex-pit towns you just always assume of course they're going to vote Labour. Right. It just it's just what you assume because of those socio-economic ties and those historic ties between the Pitts and the Labour Party, as I just mentioned. When the change took place, though, it's worth mentioning that Ben Bradley only won in 2017. Um, and this is sort of what the whole of Red to Blue is about, really, is, is, is sort of dissecting this perfect storm of factors that aligned in 2017 to allow Ben Bradley to just scoot over the line and become uh, Mansfield's MP. Ben only won by 1,057 votes in total. And as Martin Lee, the, the chairman of the Mansfield Labour Party, says in the film, you know, when you think about it, that's about 500 people at the end of the day making up their mind and choosing to vote for the Conservatives. So it really was a, a perfect storm of factors that allowed Ben to get in. And had one of these various factors that we look at in Red to Blue not been aligned in 2017, could have gone in a very different way.
1: You, you, you're looking at a time Brexit was obviously a question that was uh, there but it, it, this wasn't the Brexit election that was 2019 this was under Corbyn's government uh, sorry this was under Corbyn's leadership of the Labour Party and you know at, at a time when Theresa May was looking for a, a mandate to do what she was looking at doing and it was a bit of a a, a mixed bag across the country it was, it was neither one thing nor the other was it really
7: yeah, well, in Mansfield, like I say, if I, if I start to dig, dissect this, this perfect storm of factors that I mentioned just now, um, our film starts in 2015, at the 2015 general election. We had uh, a Labour MP, Sir Alan Meal, who had been in the seat for about 25 years at that point. He was one of the longest-serving MPs in the House of Parliament. Extremely popular back in the 80s and the 90s with the mine workers, right? He was a strong union Labour MP, and he was elected with a a very large majority now as the years progressed that majority began to wane and and Alan Mill was seen locally as someone who wasn't really doing anything he was just sort of resting on his laurels and he'd come out every election and he'd say remember Thatcher remember the pits and he'd bugger off again for another five years right (laughs) and that grips with people in mansfield you know we're we're hard-working people and we don't like it when we feel like we're being lied to or hard done by so people coined the phrase meal ticket locally for sir alan meal that's how disliked he was you know because he was seen as someone who just showed up got his paycheck and then went back home again you know um so in 2015 you had this factor that became apparent and that was that sir alan meal was becoming sort of waning in popularity 2015, as you well know, we also had the rise of UKIP, right? 2017, very memorable for being an electorate. Sorry, 2015, being very memorable as an election where UKIP almost, but didn't, win a lot of seats. In Mansfield, Sid Pepper, who's the UKIP guy who's in the film, he garnered nearly 12,000 votes here in Mansfield, at 15% of the overall vote share. And a lot of those votes came from traditional Labour voters, right? Um, I think it's... I can't remember who said it, but someone in the film describes UKIP as the gateway drug to the Conservative Party. (laughs) And they were very much seen as people who were sort of taking traditional Labour voters, bringing them over to UKIP. Now, skip to 2016. Alan Mill held his seat in 2015. 2016 Brexit referendum. Mansfield voted 70.9% in favour of leaving the EU, which was the seventh highest Leave vote in the entire country. Huge, Right. Now, when I talk to Sid in the film, we try and sort of figure out what these factors were. Why was it that in Mansfield of all Places we had such a high Leave vote? And I think really the overwhelming thing is it's not that everyone's racist and everyone hates foreigners, right, and stuff like that here in Mansfield. Definitely that is a factor, don't get me wrong, and that's something that actually UKIP played into heavily when sort of out promoting, you know, the Leave campaign here in Mansfield. But you really get the sense that it was this feeling of being left behind, right? Since the pits closed, um, have lost all its investment, its main source of income, right? and had not seen any investment from successive Labour and Conservative governments. So when this EU referendum came about, they sort of saw it as as really a chance to sort of push back. Now, as we know, the EU didn't really have anything to do with the pits closing or the lack of investment in areas like Mansfield, right? It it didn't really correlate. Um, But I think it was just that fact that people had the chance to actually stand up and say, hey, listen, we're sort of trying as best we can to say, you know, we don't like the route that Mansfield's gone down in, in these past, you know, several uh, years since the pit's closed. Now, come 2017, you had this culmination then of these factors. So you had Sir Alan Mills continuing waning popularity. You had now a huge swath of UKIP voters who, after UKIP's sort of national collapse, I suppose, after the, after the referendum, were looking for a new home. And then come 2017, you have this new kid on the block, Ben Bradley, up and coming conservative campaign manager at the time, right? Very young, very charismatic, knew how to use, some people would say manipulate social media to his benefit, right? Um, And he was able to, to rather successfully scoop up a lot of those remaining UKIP votes in 2017. And I think as I say, that's, that's really, there's more factors than that, but to, to cut myself off before I ramble on for too long, that really shows you this sort of perfect storm, you know, of things that was going on in Mansfield at that time. Had we not had such a high UKIP vote in 2015, Ben wouldn't have been elected. Had our Labour MP been more proactive and excited about the job that he was doing, we wouldn't have a Conservative MP, right? Um, had UKIP not collapsed, after the Brexit referendum, we wouldn't have a Conservative MP. So it's this really fascinating sort of, like I say, perfect storm that came together in 2017. 2019, whole different kettle of fish. Um, And I'm sure we can talk about that shortly as well.
1: That's a sequel, I think, if anything, isn't it
4: really?
7: Well, you know, we do look at the 2019 election in the film. So during, during production in 2019, we had that snap general election that was called and we had to sort of rush around to try and figure out how we were going to integrate that into the film. Originally, the film was just going to look at this sort of 2015, 2016, 2017, and then it was going to end on the question of, was Ben Bradley's election in 2017 a bit of a fluke? You know, was it a one-off, or is Mansfield going to stay blue for the long term? Now, <laughs> during production, we had this, this 2019 election call, we sort of had to figure out a way to integrate it in. So what we decided to do was actually go on the ground um, with these candidates who were all sort of vying for control during this election. And it's a really exciting part of the film. It's actually sort of sets off our third act in Red to Blue. And it's this really intimate, exciting, upbeat and and pacey sort of look at an on-the-ground election. Obviously, like you say, that was the Brexit election. So you had Ben Bradley going out there touting, you know, get Brexit done or whatever the the strap line was right for that election. And then you had Sonia Ward who took over from Sir Alan Meal as the parliamentary candidate for the Labour Party, who was going out there and trying to make the case for why she should have the seat. You also quite interestingly had characters like Sid Pepper, who I mentioned earlier, this UKIP guy who stood as UKIP in 2017 and 2015, who now stood as an independent. And he was really making the case that, listen, Ben Bradley only won because he stole all of my votes at the last election. So you should vote for me, you know, to sort of rekindle that, I suppose, UKIP vote that he initially had. So it's a really fascinating part of the film, yeah. I think the sequel would probably be Blue to Red, but I don't intend on making that anytime soon. I'm <laughs> not up for politics. Well, time, who
1: right? knows when that will happen? I mean, uh, with a 16,000 majority for Ben at uh, the 2019 election, quite clearly there's more to it than the, just the politics of Brexit. I would suggest, based on that, and a lack of trust potentially, and the overall uh, national leadership of Labour has been called into question a number of times. I do some amazing work locally, we know that, and uh, it is always Labour who seem to be most at the heart of of the communities, uh, alongside the the likes of the Liberal Democrats too, and uh, both of those seem to have a a higher prevalence in Midlands-based councils, whatever the national picture, so it'd be interesting to see what, what does happen going forward, so all of this can put you off politics for life, can't it?
7: Yeah, it can. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I, sh- I should note, I think it's important to say that we've made Red to Blue from a neutral point of view. So when you watch the film, hopefully, you don't feel that we've swayed one way or the other, you know, and that was something that was really important and something that I always tried to have set with my team from the beginning, that this story of how and why Manchester changed from Red to Blue is fascinating enough without the need for me to make it a Labour puff piece or a Conservative puff piece, right, or sort of sway an audience one way or the other. Hopefully, whatever your political leanings are, you can watch Red to Blur and actually learn something, become more engaged and perceptive about politics. For me personally, I've really got the inside scoop on what the real deal was here in Mansfield, and it is a really fascinating political story, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that weaves in the history of the area. It weaves in this really fascinating political tale but it's also really and it's at its heart it's about a town right and it's about this battle for the soul of a town right is how I put it which is very dramatic right and very artsy way of putting it but it's true because like you mentioned you know Labour traditionally have always been at the heart of these working class communities and now in places like Mansfield and Ashfield and Bowles and the surrounding areas you've got conservatives you know you've got these sort of working class conservatives, right? Who have come in and sort of taken that place. And it's very, very odd. It's very strange to see, right? To see people, um, you know, guys like Ben Bradley who are now sort of touted by his supporters as a champion of the working people of Mansfield. When he comes from the same background as someone like Sir Alan Mill, right? Both not from Mansfield, both very upper-middle-class people, right, Um, and have the seat for Mansfield, right? Alan Mill for 27 consecutive years in the end, and Ben Bradley for, I think, four or five years now, since he was first elected. So it's really interesting, this sort of shift that's happened. Now, one thing that you did mention, and and something that we don't talk about in the film, actually, is this national Labour Party. Jeremy Corbyn wasn't really a factor here in Mansfield, right? And you can... Hopefully, trust me when I say that, because I looked into it (laughs) extensively for three years. When we were talking to people from the Conservative Party, from the Labour Party, Independents, and just general people from Mansfield, Corbyn never came up as a factor, right? It wasn't like everyone was sort of screaming from the rooftops, I'm not voting Labour because I don't like Jeremy Corbyn. Ironically enough, Jeremy Corbyn's policies are very popular with working-class people, right? Stuff like increasing the minimum wage, funding the NHS, nationalising rail, nationalising gas and electric, which now, right, you look at stuff like that and you think, well, that would have been pretty good, right? And here in Mansfield, those, those policies are actually pretty popular, you know. Ben Bradley makes a point in the film of saying that, I, you know, I, I went around Mansfield and I don't meet many socialists, right, which is a nice little zinger to say, but it doesn't really get to the heart of why people weren't voting for Labour in 2017, Right. Um, the national game is always a factor, um, of course, but I really don't or, in, you know, in my research and in Red to Blue, I didn't really find that the national game was as important in Mansfield in 2017 as it may have been in other constituencies. Um, you know, it was really, as I say, these, these local factors that all came to a head, that had been building up for decades and decades and decades And it was sort of the precipice, the catalyst in 2017 um, when Ben Bradley arrived on the scene and it all sort of erupted. So, yeah, very fascinating story as Red to Blue.
1: Well, where can we find the film?
7: So it's going to be released online uh, next Saturday, the the 12th of March. So you'll be able to find it if you go to our Facebook page, Red to Blue Documentary. That's R-E-D-T. B-L-U-E, documentary. You can like that page and then we're going to be uploading it um, on Vimeo and you'll find a link on the page there as well as updates on what's going on with the project um, and stuff like that.
0: And
1: who knows, there may be a sequel if you're feeling more politically in about five to ten years' time.
7: It could be, yeah. I think I'm going to need a long break,
1: though. <laughs> That's like a plan. Well, oh, for now, Jay Martin, director of the film Red to Blue, thank you for joining us. Thank you. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 664 next week. I hope to have you all on then. For for now. Goodbye from the mail bar.
0: Goodbye from the mail bar. 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 Yeah.